Well, I tried to watch it Sunday, but I recorded it instead. So I set my sights on Monday, but when the time came, I got red. I ain't ready to watch Peter pull some pranks on Brian Dog when old Stewie is a funny talking Todd. Well, I keep on thinking about you, Seth MacFarlane, funny show. And I just can't live without you, now I'm reaping what I sow. I've been picking my own asshole instead of watching chicken fights. But it doesn't mean you ain't been on my mind. Will you let me watch the fat man? Will you let me, mommy, please? Will you give me just a little so I can grow my expertise? Cause I love the baby. I don't mind saying he's funny to me. Oh my God. Wow. He really outdid himself here. We have another minute and a half. I'm really proud of him for for staying the course with this with this parody song. This is a really wistful parody too. Yeah. Well, I keep on thinking about you, Seth MacFarlane, funny show, and I just can't live without you. Now I'm reaping what I sow, and I've been picking my own asshole instead of watching chicken fights but it doesn't mean they ain't been on my mind will you let me watch the fat man will you let me mommy please will you give me just a little so i can grow my expertise Cause I love the baby I don't mind saying He's funny to me God Wow Wow I'm just letting this play off in case he put a secret message at the end I don't know if he would but I just want to see It's what he deserves nice Noah cover that actually that's one of the ones where I'm like oh like Noah has a pretty singing voice actually yeah oh we got a sorry subsonic there uh Noah thank you chef um I am speechless honestly (laughs) uh I know he's still on his trip somewhere he definitely recorded that in a hotel probably in Nebraska probably somewhere in the Midwest but um incredible really really appreciate that bud thank you for sending that (laughs) <laughs> oh man uh how do you feel about that uh parody song there uh special chef special that guest beautiful Marin like, Noah recording that in like a motel by himself is like better than all of nomadland yeah it's some real country music shit too you know like 
it's uh you mentioned in the while it was going on it's a very wistful recording uh very wistful song it's also a good song for the open road uh i feel the original one sister golden here by fuck who sings that doesn't matter um i don't know neil young one of those guys <laughs> right yeah i don't know one of those fucking guys i didn't I didn't grow up with that type of music. Neil Young, Tom Petty, Traveling Wilburys. <laughs> um, I did grow up with that music, and I should be better. I should have known better. But folks, we're not here to talk about that. No, 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 no. Uh, not the song "Sister Golden Hair." Um, and I am pulling up Spotify right now. But folks, we are here, and you are listening to "It's on the List" with Noah and Mason. That was Noah. He's still on his road trip. Uh, he will be in, it's by America. The song Sister Golden Hair is by America. Oh, um, thank you. He will be in, uh, Chicago very soon, within days actually of this episode dropping on Friday, February, Friday, June 11th. My goodness. Um, and, uh, I can't wait, but until then we have a rotating group of special chefs coming through for the show. And this week, you know her, you love her. Marin Moreno's back, everybody. Let's get a little claps in the chat for Marin Moreno. How's it going, Marin? Good. I'm so excited to be back. I also love that this came to be because, like, Mason saw my letterboxed review for something. Uh, yes. Yeah, well, and you also, we'll get into it when we get into it, but this is something that came into my life, and I, uh, uh, well, you showed me the, one of the topics today. And we will get to it okay. when we get to it. Um, but um, I'm really excited to have you on. Really excited to talk about both of the things today. But I just got to ask, has anything exciting been happening recently? How are things in, for you up in Washington this this June, this po- this vaccine well, era June? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like um, I sat inside a restaurant for the first time really recently. Well, first time in a long time. Yeah. Not my first restaurant experience <laughs> ever. Right. I'm not like, no, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no. So that was really, really trippy and weird. Cause I was really, I know that everybody just had different kind of like social distance standards or yeah. whatever, but like before, like I was vaxxed, like I really like wasn't doing much of anything. I was doing like some like outdoor hangs and like getting a lot yeah. of takeout. Yeah. Yeah. But like last night, especially like, Austin and I like went out to dinner and it like felt just like semi-normal and it was cool. It's cool. And I was yeah, it's just nice. And it's nice, like, you know, we're like both all shot it up. And so it's just cool to like have the summer to like look forward to and actually like see friends I and agree. go out and do things. Yeah. Maybe travel a yeah. little bit. It it just makes the world like a lot less like doom and gloom because like mm-hmm. last summer was kind of depressing with yeah. like, all the fires here like in Washington and then like we're all just like at our lonesome. That was dark. It was a dark time. Um, yeah, it was a dark period. Yeah. Uh, even in, yeah. um, you know, I've been shot it up. My big thing I've been doing is I've been going to the movies a lot. Uh, I was at the music box the last three days. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I went to see uh, movies at the music box. I saw Playtime with my roommate Colin uh on Thursday night and that was a blast uh and then afterwards we met some of his vaccinated friends for really cheap beers at the L&L Tavern which is famous for being the scariest bar in America because both <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer and John Wayne Gacy have gotten drinks there <laughs> wow cash only 250 PBRs 
Can't be beat. Wow. Deal. Deal city. Jason's a badass, actually, <laughs> this whole time. And then Friday night, I went to the music box again. I saw the William Castle movie, The Tingler. A lot of fun. Ooh. A lot of fun. See, I haven't been back to the movies you gotta yet. Go back I to um, the movies. Well, I'm not. I'm not big city living. That's fair. Like you are. That's fair. And so all I have right now for my options are like Regal Cinemas and mm. like whatever like bullshit they're putting out. Yeah. As of now, Olympia Film Society will be opening back up to us. Shouts I will out. be able to get my my beautiful like art house yeah. and like obscure treats there we go. but um the art house theater in tacoma which is like half an hour from like olympia not even half an hour like 20 minutes mm -hmm. um they're open and they're doing their late night horror movies so austin and i are going to that in like a week and a half Hell yeah it's just something that like you know you can't just like walk on over just bop on over yeah when, when you feel like it because it's kind of a little bit of a drive but like but going to like a midnight movie and like being in like yeah. a midnight like movie crowd again is going to be a lot of fun i saw the totally yeah the tingler was a 9 30 on a friday crowd and even that it was still kind of rowdy and playful which was like i'm having a good time the person i brought totally. to the screening was also having a very good time uh, it was a lot of fun. And then yesterday afternoon, I did a matinee of Goodbye Dragon Inn, uh, the Simon Lang film. And that was. And that night, we had some friends over and we put a movie on in the yard and we had people vote and we watched High Fidelity. Great Chicago movie. Great movie about a man realizing that women have feelings. <laughs> I think it holds I up. I think Jack Black's so hot in that movie he is like, like that's the thing that like was the big takeaway from most of my friends that came was like jack black in that movie like is just solid gold like do you think like they I, the filmmakers recognized the gift that they had and used him so well in that fucking movie he's like i don't know he's a leading man to me like yeah. he like have you seen the holiday you know like he's like a romantic lead i have that, on, that i have that on my shelf my dvd shelf it was in the free library around the corner from me so i just swiped one day i haven't watched it yet i'm waiting for that like winter or something to watch that like just yeah. just something that's gonna make me feel nice and warm just a nice nancy movie um, yeah i know you and noe should talk about it together you, maybe it we should will. be a just the just the boys episode talking about the holiday for christmas i would love to that hear that would be awesome yeah i would love to hear that boys take on on the holiday <laughs> uh i really would um but we're not here today to talk nancy myers no folks we are here today chef's choice special chef's choice all around here uh and, and we are going to start first though uh with the album this week so Marin, why don't you preview the album that you brought onto the show this week. So I chose um, Female Vampire by, I didn't like look up how to say her name before I went on this podcast. So it's, I've never said it out loud or if I, I say Jenny Haval. I think it's Jenny Haval. But she's Norwegian. So I'm just like, I, I don't want to like say it super crazy, but i we can just refer to her as Jenny. Jenny, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Havon. Jenny. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Havon. Yeah, that's that's always what I've assumed, but I'm just like, She's Norwegian, know, so man. it's not, like, too offensive if we don't get it wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what? Uh, you 
be a real language. Protected class yeah. of Norwegian yeah. is the most marginalized in our society. Right, exactly. This, like, I, I can't imagine a Scandinavian person of all people getting too upset about getting your name. Especially, well, she doesn't have any umlauts or anything as far as I can tell. So maybe she, it would be like, of course it's Feltival or something, but... Yeah, no. We'll call her Jenny. Jenny Haval. Um, and actually, it's um. See, I always hesitate to call the album uh, "Blood Bitch" because that's like a Cocteau Twins song, and mm-hmm. so I'm like, no, I'm not talking about the correct thing. That's a Cocteau Twins song, but it actually is called "Blood yeah. Blood Bitch," not "Female Vampire." No, you called it. Fe- I always. You know, you said "Female Vampire," and I had a brief heart attack because I was like, did I listen to the right <laughs> album? But no, it's no, called no. "Blood Bitch." It is called no. Blood Bitch. Okay. Um, They're kind of synonyms, but um yeah, but yeah, yeah, no. And it's a it's a I, concept album about a vampire, so it's like it fits. Yeah, no, and really just like when I finished listening to the album like last time, like Blood Bitch by Cocteau Twins like auto played afterwards. Oh. And I was like, ooh. Hmm. <laughs> like it's it's one of their good kind of like early like direct derivative just like very synth goth albums if that ever sounds appealing to you it's not like one of their like masterpiece albums, but it's good stuff yeah it's, it's a good it's very creepy it's a it's a it is a deep it is a deep dive it is a deep track it is potential show fucker <laughs> but um uh aside from the cocktoo twin so uh blood bitch by johnny haval snap snap snaps in the chat um how did this album come into your life well um I'm a really big fan of the record label that um, put it out, at least in America. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows what goes down in Norway? But um, Sacred Bones, they put out a lot of really good stuff, and it's really fun to be excited about like a contemporary record label. Because mm-hmm. partially, like how I like got into music on my own was like, um, you know, like being younger and being like, oh, a lot of like music that I like is on like. 4AD or something or like K Records even Mm -hmm. like all these different um all these different record labels and so it's cool to have like something contemporary where it's like oh the kind of common thread is a lot of the bands on it are definitely like kind of gothic but they're still like post-punk spoken word experimental a lot of a lot of foreign bands like even Mm -hmm. though it's like an American label it's a lot of like a lot of russian groups for sure and so i was just like hooked and like i just like to scroll through their website and just like find new stuff to listen to yeah and this wasn't the first album of hers that i had heard because a lot of her stuff is more like before this at least in my opinion like more kind of purely spoken word like she does some chatting on this album Mm -hmm. too but like some of her other stuff is just like her talking about a lot of just like kind of like sexual body horror and talking about like being in the shower and like fantasizing about like changing genders Mm. or just like weird just kind of exciting like cool sexuality gender stuff and so i was like well this is interesting and provocative Mm. and it reminded me of just like i don't know like other cool like kind of um i i don't even like know how to describe it really but when I was listening to her, I was listening to like a lot of like York and like oh, okay. like Noda and just like these kind of like singular like female artists yeah. that are, uh, you know, like kind of like spooky per se, but more just like very sensual. Yeah, I you know? yeah, you said Bjork, and I can definitely see how her and Jenny have all like kind of overlap. 
Like, I can definitely see how those two... Who was the other one you said, aside from Bjork? Lingua Ignota. I I'm feel like she, um, she's a little bit more, like, coming from the metal world. I mean, so oh, gotcha. is Jenny. Yeah, but, yeah. like, more recently, like, she, like... um, I've missed her every time that she's toured, unfortunately. But, like, she, like, toured with, like, the body. I'm pretty oh, sure. Like, okay, a lot okay. of, like experimental metal bands sure. so i feel like her a lot of her like fan base and kind of like who she is even though i wouldn't like categorize her music as like metal i think it is more kind of like experimental more like i don't know gotcha. indie pop like that when you say like indie pop people think like i don't know like edward sharp and the magnetic zero <laughs> yeah so vampire right. but weekend it's just like, yeah 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 so that doesn't like feel correct but it's very much like i I wouldn't call it metal. I would say she's much more like a Bjork gotcha. type figure. And then Jenny, she was like in a metal band like back in like the 2000s. But I think she is firmly kind of, I feel like most of her fans are more like kind of indie people. Not yeah, because yeah, I remember this album maybe. So I was doing a little bit of digging on Spotify to see like the earliest that I could find jenny haval track like just in like playlists or whatever that i've been making mm -hmm. um because i do remember when i was listening to this album so you suggested this album and i was like that's very cool i can't remember if i've heard it all the way but i'm sure i've heard like a jenny haval song because like i liked at this time was when i was kind of into like um like julia holter like i kind of like that kind of um vibe also like an experimental and just like kind of um ethereal kind of like uh i guess female artists basically like not joanna newsome yet that would come last year um but jenny haval kind of came into like that through maybe via pitchfork maybe via like a release radar or something playlist or something or a spotify radio um with conceptual romance um and that was also when i was listening to a lot of like synth poppy kind of stuff or like stuff that sounded like the drive soundtrack and i thought the conceptual mm -hmm. romance kind of sounded like it was uh could have been in a drive like movie it was like very neon and shimmery and i can't remember if i gave blood bitch a listen at that time but i'm sure that if i did i probably would have thought it was scary and wouldn't finish listening to it yeah conceptual romance is definitely i think it's kind of an anomaly on the album it, yeah. it like kind of works if you listen to the whole thing but if that's like your only taste like it's just this very kind of like sensual pulsating like it's much more accessible yeah than the rest of the album too because it's not as like it's a good slow dance song yeah it'd be good yeah. a good song to dance uh slow to your sweet slow and tight and slow with your sweetie um uh, but uh that is not quite the vibe on the rest of the album um no <laughs> so you came across this album because you uh were familiar with the labels were, were you familiar with her from her earlier metal band the earlier metal scene even or was it just like no strictly like that, the first couple albums that she was solo that was from just like looking her up gotcha. because i was like oh like this is cool and i just like i just go into like these little rages where um you know you listen to music when you're a teenager and it just like really speaks to you in this sort of like deep emotional way mm -hmm. in the way like when i was a teenager and i was listening to like hole and the smith sure, and that yeah. sort of stuff like that and i'm always trying to find that same kind of sort of thrill yeah as an adult mm -hmm. and sometimes i can find it but a lot of times i just get like really frustrated about like the state of kind of like what is like indie music right now because a lot yeah. of it is just really like twee inspired 
which like i'm yeah. not like i'm not opposed to like i love um i love mira like i mm-hmm. think she a lot of music that i love um she does a lot of music that i love that's really redundant mm-hmm. but um uh, and I don't know. I even liked a lot of like just like the most like twee annoying of all like K records music when I was younger. But it's more just like it's very like cheap music to make. That's but the it's thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. But we still have like these very, very rich people making it. Yeah. And then the lyrics are like kind of like a copy of a copy of a copy where yeah yeah it's a little too it's a little too cute sometimes and you just kind of and you watch the music videos and they're almost indecipherable from like target commercials sometimes even Uh, yeah I, i just kind of want stuff like like blood bitch to be honest it has like a lot of like kind of you know uh like emotion feeling um vibrancy a beating fucking heart in it and when you put a lot of money into making something uh you're just trying to get that money back you're not like attending to the soul of the thing you know so it always like modern indie music sometimes sums come off as very cheap sounding um but i totally feel you on like trying to find like stuff that's like exciting or like gets you like to that you know because when you are a teenager things are so heightened and so exciting uh and when you find that thing that like speaks to you it it you're trying to find that again um i like that's why i like making playlists every month is just like trying to find new music and trying to catalog like what spoke to me that month almost you know um but back to jenny haval here um what do you think about this album where do you want to start uh because i really loved this every single time that i listened to it um it was you were saying uh, actually that like you were looking like just you were always on the search to find something that's going to speak to you this really got to me now (laughs) like i just needed something like kind of um dark and kind of sensual and kind of um just weird and like playing with like the um kind of creating like a scene basically and creating like an atmosphere uh and this album fucking delivered man like um it's really fucking cool (laughs) definitely i mean well you think about like um at least what i was listening to when i was a teenager and a lot of the stuff um that inspired it was uh you know like literature and stuff that i didn't end up reading until i was in my 20s where i um i like read like the bell jar in high school but i didn't really read like a lot of like sylvia plas poetry i didn't really explore like a lot of like virginia wolf and like oscar Mm -hmm. wilde and then like i like engage with these people and i'm like like, oh my god like this I love this and that's why I like liked you know, like whole for example. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, I read a poem and I'm like, this is literally like 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 corny love type shit. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um Jenny Haval's music is also like very literary. I mean, um it reminds me a little bit too, like not sonically like necessarily, but with like the sexuality of it. It's mm-hmm. very like pj harvey one of my favorite artists yeah all yeah time. you um, you toyed with you know, bringing a pj album on on the show for this album. yeah i thought about it but then i was like it's hard because you know i i listen to episodes radically i am definitely like a fan mm-hmm. of the pod and um there's definitely like 
artists that have been like brought on that are more obscure and then mm -hmm. there's like albums from bands that are like popular like sure. popular bands but less popular albums yeah so i was kind of like maybe bring like an underrated like pj harvey album but the thing is like they're all like so acclaimed so yeah. it's more just, like less acclaimed than others and, and it, i'm really just yeah like, yeah but i don't know i kind of do feel that like pj harvey kind of splits the difference between like obscure and like known with a lot of like kind of you know classic albums because i could i could bet that a lot of people like know and heard of her but kind of don't know where to go in first and it's hard to That's be fair. like you know it's hard to be like where's a good starting point with her because she's a, an artist that's very like every single album is 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 something different at least in my memory i actually haven't listened to pj harvey in a very long time but every single album that she puts out for a period of time at least in my to my knowledge is something that you can go deep on something that you can talk about um so maybe one day PJ Harvey will be on the show, but I definitely also yeah. hear that. I definitely also hear some um, PJ in in this actually. Now that you mention it, um, so do you have like specific tracks off of Blood Bitch in particular that you return to, or like what's your kind of um, I guess um, habit with listening to this? Like, do you go through the whole album, or do you just like try like just pop through, or is it just kind of like specifically a mood thing? This is definitely an album that I listen to when I'm when I'm feeling creative because like when I like um, mm -hmm. writing is like my least favorite part of like the filmmaking process. Oh, gotcha. Because I'm so um, visual, like everything that I've done, like in my own life and for school or whatever, it all like starts with just like a vision. Yeah. I have, you know, that I just like haunted by where i just like go like a little bit like crazy for a second and i'm just like you know like mm -hmm. i have this idea for the scene that happens and it looks like this and i'm like mm -hmm. how do i like get this from like my mind um like yeah, onto sure. something tangible that i can explain to other people and so there's like a level of just like i kind of like draw it out and storyboard it and then i turn it into words and then i like begrudgingly like turn it into a script and like Jenny yeah. Brawl is like definitely like an artist where it's like because um I don't know I feel like um the broadest sort of way to like talk about my work because I do um you know my my one thing that I have like out for free in the world currently is Revenge Angels which is one yeah, of my yeah. lighter films which is like kind of my like fun movie yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. like I feel like if it's like a dark movie still but the things that i were doing before no, I've, that yeah were... i've i've seen revenge angels and to call it fun puts a lot of your other work into context I think, yeah you know there was my my like kind of short films that i was like making before that where a lot of them like they're very much for school so like sure, i didn't sure, really sure. care about you're gonna like, go full marin on them i i could but i was doing <laughs> them for school so i was just like throwing in like a bunch of like archival footage and not oh, really like okay, caring about okay. like this oh, or that, that. Mm -hmm. so to like throw them online like um one that i like it's and so it's all very like dark and pyrrhic but then i'm like using footage of like celebrities getting followed by like the paparazzi and crying mm. and it's mm -hmm. just like very just i was just like really just like in my feelings about a lot of like woman shit the, like that still at, sounds cool though that still sounds cool <laughs> yeah no and 
<laughs> but um but yeah no so i feel like um jenny haval's music like pj harvey's music like there's just like a lot of like uh like a lot of um music that i feel like more embodies like the kind of like feminist sex horror that i yeah. make yeah this is uh feminist sex horror i like that term uh and i think it does apply to this album here there is like there's so much just like blood like the the theme basically is like vampires there's a lot of blood imagery and of course periods get brought into this and menstruating gets brought into this um and i just like that the i like her focus on like um like the image of blood and just like the kind of the redness even though it's an audio medium, even though she's making an album. Um, it's a very, in, to my mind, Blood Bitch is very, very visual. Like, if you're listening with a decent pair of headphones, which I did for most of the listens here, sometimes I would just, you know, just put it on my phones just so I could just kind of, like, vibe with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're listening to it, that she, like, with headphones, she's like, um, fucking, what song was it? Um, it was in the song... Uh, uh fuck oh yeah in the red the third um i had to take second... notes too because i listened to it yeah. always as a big chunk and so i had to like write yeah. down like because i'm like oh what's the song that has like this lyric because i love this yeah song. yeah exactly it's a de- it's a dense album i like albums that you have to go uh that reward multiple uh re-listens um but in 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 the red there's like that there's that breathing in the beginning of it and it she just like kind of she or her producers or whoever the message just like track it so it's like chasing you and you kind of don't know at least i didn't it felt like it was kind of like a dissolve basically between like running in the forest and just like weird like you know um maybe even sex or something i don't know but it's uh running in fear Uh, i think there's the line there's like it hurts everywhere um and then it goes into conceptual romance that song that we were saying which is like kind of after the first like three songs here which are very like kind of intense and very um dark and really setting the scene you go into conceptual romance which kind of feels like um emerging it from like cool water or something like it's much like um not slower necessarily but it feels like you're um kind of surrounded kind of like a break basically from from this fear or something like that yeah and then Uh you go into untamed region which starts with like scratching or maybe scratching the sound of writing and then an Adam Curtis sample. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, is that from okay, hypernormalization? Like, it it's is. Just, it's, okay, <laughs> that's cool. Because I was listening to this album for the first time at work when I just had, like, like just a shift at work where I could just, like, listen to music. Um, and I'm, like, you know, typing away, answering emails at work or whatever, and I'm listening to Jenny Haval, and then I hear Adam Curtis, and I'm like, did I have a YouTube window open on accident? <laughs> What's going on here? It was so cool. And then in that song, I think she says, um, no, no, no. I think it's in the next one. Uh, the great, cause then she brings in like, she, then she gets into like capitalism too. Like she brings up capitalism and she brings up like in the great undressing, I don't need money. I just need your love. Um, this, I, man, I love the journey that this album takes you on is I think all I'm trying to get about, get around to on this one is like, I really appreciate an album that, um, you know, an album could just be a collection of songs. That's all an album is. You know, sometimes you just need to write a bunch of really good pop songs or something to make a good album. But other times, you can use the album <laughs> to tell a story. And that's always fun to find. And it's also fun when each of those tracks, to me, stand out individually as just good songs. 
And I think that Blood Bitch falls into that. I do think that Blood Bitch passes the Mesa Maguire test of every song yeah. being good. <laughs> well, for me too, what I enjoy about the album is like her um her artistic process is made like really transparent in like some of those yeah. other songs. Yeah. Where it's like in the great undressing, it's like her friends talking. Where it's like, "What's this album about, Jenny? It's about vampires. That's so basic." And then her song kind of like <laughs> steamrolls, like the kind of like, "Oh, really? It's about vampires?" Yeah. That kind of thing. And there's other parts where it's just like she's kind of like oscillating between like, because I mean, who's to say? Like, I don't know her personally. I don't know what her true self is, but it feels like she's kind of mm. oscillating between like performing and confessing and sometimes she's yeah, a character yeah. and sometimes she isn't and it's mm -hmm, really interesting because mm -hmm. i feel like that's done in like a lot of like so my favorite like feminist film you know like talking about mm -hmm. like characters and like archetypes i mean i do it in my own like feminist film with like making yeah. kind of different um different like heightened characters to just like talk about like power and the body and like femininity and i feel like she does that in this album where sometimes it's like she's the vampire and sometimes she's a woman like getting a pap smear and sometimes she is mm. jenny um trying to like make this album and like legitimize what she's talking about to her peers yeah and it's cool and yeah that's no. really cool that's it's like, really uh, cool that's that's all i'm coming back to on this like i think so it's really hard for me to pick a favorite on this album but I think I settled on The Plague for kind of the reasons that you were just saying. That song to me feels the most, um, it's like kind of sound collage but it does feel like the process of making a work of art of some kind. Um, like both like how kind of chaotic just the processes of it, um, how you're just like kind of, you know, just wrestling sometimes maybe with your identity. Um um, but then it's uh, <laughs> I just wrote my notes here the chaotic echoey video game music section at the end because like the kind of outro to the plague is this like really cool like just uh, electronic just like super pulsing and fast thing that feels like the um, the the thing that was created after like the process that was in the first part of the song and I think that's my favorite song on the album is all I'm trying to say I think that that one kind of like is like the whole album to me in the package. Um, do you have a favorite on this or, or, uh, you know, that one's yeah. one of my, um, one of my favorites too. Um, I oh, definitely yeah. like that that one, it has just like a really major, like kind of like Dario Argento vibe to it Hell almost yeah. where just like the shrieking within it. Like there's other songs mm -hmm. that kind of, um, get really cinematic too, but that's one that I feel like, it's more contained into like that yeah. like song of like some kind of like jumping like back and forth but i don't know let me see i i this is my first time doing um notes for this podcast because we're morning recording so proud so and <laughs> yeah. i'm like i'm gonna be tired yep. and i don't it's sunday morning brain it's sunday it's morning sun brain this is a Friday podcast, but any time we host, it's Sunday morning brain, Sunday afternoon brain. Yeah. Folks, that's why you come to this show. <laughs> and uh, I'm honestly, I mean, I am kind of like disappointed because I do have my notes and I I think like this would be a fun album to um spar with Noah with because I'm like, hmm, I don't yeah. know what he would think of this one. And it was great sparring yeah. with him on Torres. I really yeah. enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I've... it is kind of like <laughs> it's fun when two, it is fun when two people are really enthusiastic about something. But it is nice to have Noah here to kind of bring us back to earth. If you want to think about it that like, way, um, I could just picture him just being like, "So the, the vampires or like whatever," <laughs> and just like really just like like give it give it a little bit of like I don't know the 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 classic rock dad perspective but yeah um, yeah yeah exactly i think that this move this album would uh would would scare him so <laughs> Noah, don't listen to this while you're driving or before you're going to bed uh maybe listen to it over coffee at continental breakfast <laughs> you're having some scones you're having some uh just bump the I mic there i was really there. struggling to pick a, a singular favorite and i was like you know mm. like the plague is like this fucking like odyssey you know but i really um untamed region is definitely one that like i really enjoy um lyrically because i just like how it ends with like my own art history my own combined failures it's just (laughs) i wrote (laughs) it's just sorry it's very feminist It's very feminist. No, no, no. You're right. I, I did write in my notes for that song. This song would cause Noah to turn into a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> like, cause, I mean, one of the other things that I really, um, I really contemplated, like, cause, cause the movie that we picked that will be announced later, yes. that was kind of yes. the first thing. And then the album was secondary and there was like a few yeah, different yeah. things I was kind of thinking of doing. And another thing I was thinking about bringing would be um ema's um past life martyred saints because that was one of my Mm -hmm. favorite albums when i was a teenager but i was like i don't really know if i want to like talk about this because it's like this album's dark but like that album's like really dark that's like about like being like in the middle of nowhere and like overdosing on drugs and heartbreak and pissing and shitting at the same time. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's and, the, and the subject, the, the movie today is also very yeah. heavy. And so, yeah. So I was just like, I don't know if I want to talk about that, but just like, I'm just such like a lyrics person because like, I'm not a sure. musician, you know, like I definitely like, yeah, sure. I love like, I mean, music, you know, I love to like, mosh and dance and like whatever like it's important to me but like what really connects me with an artist like if they can like lyrically just like make me feel something or doing something that's like poetic and just kind of enhanced by like the general mood and that just like i don't know an untamed region just like lyrically i'm like this is something that like is identifiable and like thrilling to me where you know this is something where i would have loved if it was like around like when i was like a teenager because i bet i would have loved it but it's great that i have it now you know yeah i uh i love that i love that for you chef i also wish that you could have had that younger but when you were younger but it is nice like you said to have it now uh okay do you have anything else that you want to get into before we go into the wrap-up section of this show or this segment, at least. Gonna say no, two-parter, two-parter. Two-parter. Wait two-parter. till next uh, week for the movie. But um, um, gosh, I don't know. Well, I feel like if you, you've been like intrigued by us like raving about like Jenny Haval, I guess like just like a warning that it's like not an album that I like throw on when I have like friends over or whatever. It's definitely yeah, like an album yeah. that's like it's a good headphones album it's a good like if you are a creative person it's a good thing like put on like i don't know when you do your craft like when you're like 
drawing or mm-hmm. like sculpting mm-hmm. or like whatever you do like it's definitely like a good album to listen to um by yourself and also the music videos mm-hmm. for the album are really cool i've seen a couple of them and they're very beautiful and go with the songs very well so that's just my mm-hmm. recommendation i guess that if you're intrigued then just like sit Rock with it roll. for a little bit gotcha Hell yeah. All right. So let's get into some fast, some blood bitch fast facts compiled from Genius Wikipedia and the (laughs) album's Bandcamp page. Uh, Blood Bitch is the fourth studio album by Norwegian singer Jenny Haval, released on September 30th, 2016. This album is a follow up to Haval's 2015 album Apocalypse Girl. Co-produced by Haval and Lassie Marhog, uh, the album was preceded by the singles Female Vampire, Conceptual Romance, and Period Piece. Described as an investigation of blood, Blood Bitch is a concept album which draws parallels between a fictional time-traveling vampire named Orlando and Haval's own experience touring with her previous studio album, Apocalypse Girl. The album's lyrical content is also influenced by menstruation, 1970s horror and exploitation films, and Virginia Woolf. Uh, there you go. In a statement released upon the album's announcement, she elaborated, Blood Bitch is a fictitious story fed by characters and images from horror and exploitation films of the 70s. With that language, rather than smart, modern social commentary, I found I could tell a different story about myself in my own time, a poetic diary of modern transients and transcendence. Describing the album has her most fictional and personal album, Aval noted that its dark lyrical and musical contact re- reconnected her with her goth and metal roots. It's also the first album where I've started reconnecting with the scene I started playing with years ago, remembering the drony quality of Norwegian black metal. It's an album of vampires, lunar cycles, sticky choruses, and the smell of warm leaves in winter. Orlando, the vampiric character who much of the album focuses on, was influenced by Virginia Woolf. Uh, Virginia Woolf's novel, Orlando, a biography. Uh, you love to see it. Have you read Orlando, a biography? You know, I checked it out in the library when I had checked out, like, 10 12 books it was one of those like library sessions where i was like i'm hungry yeah, to feel read that. so it's like yeah. i read some of it but i forget what <laughs> library session i was like really in my feelings like i like checked out like the yellow wallpaper like i was like i remember reading that in high school and really yeah, like <laughs> i was just like you know like definitely feeling my just like um female hysteria tease you know it's a real girls rock kind of haul it sounds like you got orlando yeah you got the yellow i had um ariel oh, the, by the... sylvia plath like Oh yeah, shit! No. Have you ever seen the um the Tilda Swinton movie, the Orlando Tilda Swinton? Movie? No, no. I should though. I should though. I wear her perfume. <laughs> it smells like pumpkins. Good for her. Uh, Haval <laughs> co-produced the album it's, with Norwegian noise cool. music musician Lassie Marhog, who had previously collaborated with Haval on her previous album Apocalypse Girl. On working with Marhog, Haval noted, Lassie relates to sound in an abstract way. There's a better way to look at it than as individual songs because many times you end up with an illusion that can't be broken. Looking at the album as a whole and then putting holes in it means that you have these bits of reality poking through. I love those moments. That was all I got from Wikipedia or um, Genius. This was on the album's Bandcamp page that I just found when I was looking today. Uh, from Bandcamp, Jenny Haval's conceptual, uh, conceptual, 
what the set what the fuck jenny album jenny haval's conceptual i think they're missing a word there conceptual album takes on collective and individual gender identities and social socio-political constructs landed uh apocalypse oh jenny haval's conceptual takes on collective and i can't read jenny haval's conceptual takes on collective and individual gender identities and socio-political constructs landed apocalypse girl on dozens of year-end lists and compelled writers everywhere to grapple with the age-old yet previously unspoken question who what is soft dick rock (laughs) after touring for a year and earning her second nordic prize nomination as any perfectionist would haval immediately went back into the studio to continue her work with acumen uh her work with acumen noise producer Lassie Marhog, whom she with whom she co-produces here on Blood Bitch. Her new effort is in many respects a complete 180 from her last in subject matter, execution, and production. It is her most focused, but the lens is filtered through a gaze which the viewer least expects. I like that write-up. I think that that is true. I think that, like, a nice thing about... I like albums where you can really dive in deep and really be like, oh, this is, you know, uh, there's there's politics here, there's there's gender, there's, like, kind of... Uh, there's a perspective on these things. It's, it's someone legitimately sharing their experience with you uh, but it's also just fucking good music uh for that i'm giving this a full recommend walk don't run to it i would say if my word and taste means anything and my mercedes valuable player would be the song the plague marin do you recommend this album and what's your mercedes valuable player um of course i do i think we're fans of you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> your lingua nota even cocteau twins because of just Mm -hmm. the the blood bitch kind of correlation um even fans of like i don't know i don't want to get into it like too deeply but even in like saint vincent's kind of earlier work like her like strange mercy that's the album with like the white cover i feel like if you like yeah kind of like creepy psychosexual not uh, yeah like yeah like the sparseness of it i feel like you yeah yeah, yeah. would enjoy maybe not not if you're like a a mass seduction saint vincent fan but like um, i don't know Mm -hmm. um so yeah no highly recommend i can't think of a singular mercedes most valuable player i think it would just have Mm -hmm. to be like the the concepts in which she's working in like thematically like that's like why i picked the album you know because we like picked a film where it's like on its surface it's kind of like a teen like exploitation film but um yeah you know it deals with like a lot of like very like intense things for women and uh it's cool yeah to have a feminist album because i don't like a lot of kind of like more quote-unquote like preachy like political music like these are my values and so right exactly it yeah this feels like feminist music that's not just like free abortions for women it's just yeah. it's they're saying yeah yeah it, it it does exactly like it's not there's no it's not didactic it's not like um uh it's man because i want to say it's not aggressive it's not aggressive it's not an aggressive album i think that it's it's um you know it it's it's feminist in a way that i think is very um uh uh, well i'll defer to you on that one actually but (laughs) i think that there it's 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 a political album but it's just it's surely just it's saying that like this is my life this is my experience um fucking deal with it the personal like, what do you want political me to say? baby <laughs> exactly there we go that's it <laughs> and on that tip let's segue to the movie this week the reason why Marin is here mostly 
<laughs> is um well folks Marin, why don't you say what it is just no reason to hold it in what's the movie we're talking about today the rage carrie 2 directed by kat shea 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 we'll find out later shea, shea. we'll figure out <laughs> who knows it's um so you show so i just want to say before so i saw this movie because Marin had a uh, a gather kind of thing with a bunch of other kind of friends where it was like a couple months ago. Basically, you would create a little av- – if you don't know what gather – it's called gather, right? Gather Did town. I remember that correctly? Gather town. Gather town. Uh, you get a link. You you send a link to your friends. You and your friends can make little little sprite avatars and watch around. And what Marin did was like have a little film festival basically. Cut the room open for like the afternoon or whatever – uh, and you would just walk around and there would be, um, what were you, you and a friend of yours were, um, my friend Madeline, uh, yes. Yeah. Were, um, what is the word I'm programming, um, movies like Slumber Party Massacre. Um, what was that Jennifer Reader movie? Um, blood Below the Skin. Yeah. Blood Below the Skin. Uh, and this movie, we're just three of the many choices that, that guests can go visit. Uh, when we were doing this gather thing, I just finished watching Blood Below the Skin. Loved it. Thought it was very cool. Chicago Excellence, Also Excellence. And I ran into Marin's little avatar and I said, what should I watch next? She's like, the Rage Carry 2 is in the other room. It's on Tubi. Tubi, which is, I think, the, the true proletarian streaming platform because it's free and it has any movie that you would re- really, truly want to watch on it. Uh, it's just like going to Tubi reminds me of just like going to the DVD shelf at my used bookstore and being like, I heard that was good. And like pulling it off. Um, but I watched this on her recommendation. Um, and then a couple weeks later, I don't want to get into how I felt uh, at the top just quite yet. But a couple weeks later, Marin watched this movie, logged on Letterboxd, and said, someone invite me on your podcast so I can talk about this movie. And I thought, you know, I think this movie's very good show fodder. This is kind of what I would like to be doing more, like bringing onto the show and having been brought on the show, is a movie like this. So Marin, why don't you give the folks, the folks at home your history with this movie and just, you know, what they can expect from it if they if they go if just off the top what they should expect from it for sure i mean i don't want to get too um too tangential so i'll try to keep this like as as focused as possible but um do your best chef no pressure but um i was like familiar with this movie like for for years you know because carrie is one of my favorite movies ever so i was aware you know like there's different remakes of there's different adaptions and there's like this sequel, but it was never really something that anybody had ever like recommended to me. It was more just like a fun fact. And then yeah. um, I I don't know if you saw it um, when it came out, there's this essay film called the Beyond Clueless about um, high school movies. It got a lot of hate. I don't think a lot of people liked it because it was, it came out like, I think like, right when like essay films and like video essays on youtube were kind of going mainstream but not as mainstream as they are now so people watch the documentary and were expecting like what they consider a documentary to be which is like you know not like total like ken burns vibes but like talking heads being like oh yeah i remember shooting 
Scream 2 that was crazy where instead yeah. it's this essay film where um Bruce Balk does the voiceover which is amazing first off you know Nancy from the craft but um I am listening to you I'm just trying to <laughs> charge my fucking laptop right now because <laughs> sorry Mary, you're good i am listening you're good so feruza balk is interviewed in this she is or well she's the voiceover like no one's interviewed in this because it. it's oh, like got a, it, got it. okay because it's like this essay film and uh they just like talk about like a lot of just like high school movie tropes a lot of the analysis like none of it is really like uh groundbreaking but it's fun to watch because they just like compile all these like typical kind of high school scenes just like getting ready for prom parties like mm. lunchroom scenes just like through like the 90s through the 2000s so it's just fun to see the mm. fashions the tropes and all sorts of stuff yeah, and yeah. they they had a lot of clips from uh carrie too in it of just like oh sure of just like the main character rachel just like walking around getting ready and getting dressed and like they would have like a little title card at the end of the clip so i'd be like oh like the like a sort of like new metal kind of like mall gothy looking movie carrie too huh like i was like this looks kind of cool and so i became intrigued and then um i found the dvd kind of recently at a um at a comic book store actually where it oh, was yeah. um it was the carrie from the 70s it was carrie 2 and then it was the carrie like tv movie from like 2001 2002 the girl sure, from May, okay. and it, I've never seen it. I can though, because I have it on DVD. So it's this crazy, like, yeah, triple feature thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, Carrie 2, new metal Carrie. And like, watching it really, like, <laughs> with no expectations, just kind of like I throw it on. Austin watches it with me. I'm like, you want to watch my my Carrie DVD, baby? He's like, yeah, I was yeah. Th thinking at first, probably that I'm talking about the 70s one, but um, yeah, throw it on and just kind of blown away because i mean before we like get like too deeply into it the gist of it is basically that this movie from like 1999 successfully does what a lot of like kind of um pop feminist media has been trying to do like i think for like the last yeah. decade is like talk about kind of um high school rape culture in a way that mm -hmm. is like for like its form like being like such like a mainstream movie is like pretty like well done and like not preachy and like talks about how systemic yeah. it is yeah. like it's really yeah. impressive you, for being yeah. from 1999 you, it really is um and i think you're right that you at least in my you know kind of i had kind of to you hyped it hyped it a little bit for me just you know because that's what you got to do to get someone to watch a movie that you're you know that you like that you yeah you know are just trying to show other people and so like i knew going into this that maybe there was something deeper here than you would expect because like you say carrie sequel made 22 years later or however long it is you know, it, in the late 90s, you're just like, okay, maybe it's going to be like some sort of weird scream ripoff or something, or you think it's going to be like some sort of like cynical cash grab. And I do think that if you go in with slightly more uh, higher adjusted expectations, you are going to find something really rewarding there. And it's like, um, I, I think that, yeah, this is a movie that, unlike a lot of other movies that, from that time that I've seen at least, um, it's it's kind of 
a curse, I think, also, that I realized this in doing my research, that this movie came out, like, I think a week or up to three weeks before Columbine happened. <laughs> gotcha. So, I think that... Um, not to say that had Columbine not happened, this would have a little, a, 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 a better reputation. It might, it might not. But I think that people are kind of like quick to like dismiss this because it's of that era. And it just feels like as soon as Columbine happened, like a switch flipped and how you related to teenagers um, was just kind of or like the teenage culture and like just kind of high school culture was just like kind of changed forever basically. Um, and, but when you watch this movie, not only is it an incredible time capsule of like the late nineties and late nineties, like kind of high school culture. Um, it's also this, just this incredibly, um, involving story about the trappings of, like you were saying, uh, rape culture and just masculinity. Mm-hmm. even. <laughs> um, and, it's a really good, like the Jenny Haval album, there's some politics happening there. It's just good songs that are fun, I think, to listen to. This is a good movie that is fun to watch, and it's just enhanced by by that. Um, so you watch this on DVD. So I watched this um, at that gather, and I was like, I was honestly completely blown away. I was not expecting to get like so much out of this movie the first time I watched it. And then second time I watched it, it it was a real uh, pleasure to see that it it just holds up still. How many times have you seen this now? I watched it on DVD and then when like Madeline and I were kind of like curating, just sort of like presenting like all these like links to just like watch movies. And I was like, that is one yeah. because our intention for that gathering is like, um, Women in Women in Horror Month is kind of like defunct right, right. now, like the organization. Yeah. So they're kind of like passing the ball, and it's like, oh well, we're both like, um, like young, kind of like DIY emerging filmmakers, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, we're kind of tired of like women in horror shit rolling around, and then like only the really obvious stuff being talked about that horror fans are already familiar with because it's like okay yeah we're not even like talking about like the quality or like how you feel but it's like we all know like the babadook was like directed by a woman yeah most yeah, like yeah. informed people should know that american psycho is amazing and an addictment on shitty men and directed by a woman a lot of people don't seem to know that one but it's just like it feels like the same Snaps in the chat for that that feels like Snaps in the chat for mary heron <laughs> she rules uh, american psycho that was like on my top four on letterboxd for like years that's one of my favorite movies but um of course but um of course. it felt like women in horror month was always just like the same 10 movies like getting passed around over and over again yeah sure sure sure. so we wanted to like have a celebration that like dug a little bit deeper and maybe didn't rely on like other kind of like pre-approved like filmmakers or critics being like this is the canon this is standard and us kind of like trusting our own taste and instincts and just doing a bunch of research and being like well, I really liked this, so this yeah. deserves to be highlighted, or maybe this isn't perfect, but, like, you know, she did it. Like, I forget if I ended up including, like, The Velvet Vampire, but, like, that's a movie where it's mm-hmm. basically, like, a woman working within, like, exploitation film budgets trying to do, like, a German art film. Like, I love The Velvet Vampire, oh, yeah. 
it's like very slow and i'm pretty sure it's like a roger corman movie so it's like um gotcha is it from the 70s mm-hmm, or is mm-hmm. it how old yeah gotcha. yeah okay, it's okay. like really old. oh that sounds cool it is cool it is cool it's worth watching but it's like really slow and you know it's just like the scenes where it's like when someone like walks somewhere yeah. it's like they're getting out of their car they're walking down the hall they're walking down another hall then they finally get to the place yeah, like it's really yeah. really stretched super thin but like gotcha, gotcha it's one of those movies where you find out about the production you find about like her like her influences of just being like i like watch the seventh seal and that's what like made me want to like make movies where you see what like she's trying to do and you kind of like mourn mm-hmm. the fact that like women didn't have like the access and resources and just like acceptance yeah yeah it's like woody allen makes like 15 movies that are explicitly bergman ripoffs basically or like very self-consciously putting those Mm -hmm. homages in his fucking movies and then uh yeah uh it just sucks i agree (laughs) yeah so uh so carrie 2 is basically one of those for us i guess is like what i'm what i'm trying to get at for bringing no i think no i think that's yeah i think that's a good point because i think that like you know um a very early episode that we did on the show actually was jennifer's body and i had seen jennifer's body at the new bev and that was a movie that i uh well it, it was like interesting because like i we had done Somehow Columbia, when I was in film school, had a relationship with Karen Kusama and just had like access to like early drafts of like Jennifer's body and things like that. Uh, and I'd always just like kind of written that movie off when I was like a high schooler. And then it's like playing at the, at the New Bev. The New Bev was like two movies for 10 bucks. Great deal on 35, both of them. And I watched Jennifer's body. And I'm like, wait, this movie fucking rocks. <laughs> um, and I think that that, you know, Jennifer's body is kind of getting rehabilitated in the culture a little bit because people are like wait a minute this movie was like marketed incorrectly um it was uh completely uh you know nobody knew how to sell that movie to the audience that would have really appreciated it and now people are finding it and reclaiming it basically i think that this movie the rage carry 2 is good for it's good for a reclamation um because it is like you know, I was doing, you know, looking into the fast facts, and I'll say it later, but, like, this didn't start as a Carrie sequel, or Carrie sequel as far as I could figure out from the IMDb trivia. <laughs> um, they were, like, writing, and then it started off as an original script, and then they kind of realized that they were remaking Carrie. And I guess, like, the interesting thing to me is, like, seeing how you can transplant that story across generations, you know, and how it kind of not only makes Carrie, like, oh, this is, like, a very specific movie about, like, Specifically, like, 70s, probably, you know, uh, 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 teenage, you know, femininity and and the the horror of that. This one um, is very 90s and not just in, like, kind of its its, its, its aesthetic, um, you know, just, like, capturing the way that it was. Um, And you kind of mentioned this to me when you were getting me to watch it, that this movie, The Rage Carry 2, is much more concerned with, like, how awful men are (laughs) specifically men are and how awful like um uh you know just just how rape culture pervades through high schools and how it um and well what's your take on that is i guess is kind of what i'm trying to ask here like like this is a movie that i think is 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 deeper and is using genre kind of in the way that you're supposed to use genre which is like to create these archetypes so that you can study them like from a distance or whatever and i'm just curious like give me your read on this fucking movie dude like go deep let's yeah. do this well for me like 
I look and like my first reaction to it, like after I finish it, like, well, first reaction is like, oh my God, I love this. But two, like what were like the hangups about it, you know, and people sure, like sure, sure. a lot of the hangups are like, oh my God, it's like really like cheesy and ugly and like dated looking. And it's like, you go and you watch like the original Carrie film and it's like that is a very very 70s looking music i mean yeah. like the like the split kind of screen and like the spinning yeah. room when it's like they're all gonna laugh just, at you yeah. like it's so like it's not time like i don't think Carrie's yeah. timeless looking at at all it's still like no neither it's still yeah, good it's, so. <laughs> It's like the it's such it's a product of its time. I'm just thinking about like the um the John Travolta Nancy Allen like when they their car flips over uh-huh. that like they just flip the frame around yeah. like do it like a pinwheel effect. It looks very very silly, but that's the charm. And you're right. Like we should be embracing that the Rage Carry Two looks like a product of the late '90s. That's not the fault of that. That's just when the movie was made. God yeah, damn it. and I feel like like that kind of like attitude and like obsession with like not making like movies like reflect when they're from. Like I think we're gonna be like really sad like in the future when we don't have like quintessentially just like things that like reflect our era because everybody is so obsessed with like making it look like tasteful and timeless. It's like. People love yeah. to obsess over like 80s aesthetics, you know, and like, oh my God, yeah. that looks like so 80s. And I just see it's like, you know, if it's like, if it's like a well framed shot and it's like interesting to look at, who cares if like the technology looks a little bit like clunky in the future? Yeah. Like, that's part of the charm. Yeah. So that's like one of like the big gripes with it that I'm just like, that's stupid. Like, I don't even count yeah. that. And then the other right. one is that i feel like people just think that it doesn't capture the original carry like well enough or exactly and i i mm. i disagree because i do yeah no me too me too i think that you know what happens like in the original carry would just like it wouldn't really be kind of believable for like the late nineties, you know, like yeah. granted like yeah. the internet, like isn't what it is now then, but like the concept of like a girl, like not knowing what's going on when she's like getting her period, like just like kind of a lot yeah. of the like character beats, like of the original film. And also like the way that like bullying functions, I think changed a lot from like yeah. the seventies to the nineties to now you know where what yeah, yeah i think is significant like we mentioned like you know a lot of the um the toxic kind of like bro code bullshit that happens in the movie but yeah. also how like the girls bully her i think is like a little yes, bit more yes. um developed than in the original film you know like we see yeah. um one of the mean girls like observing her for like a good while and then like spending a lot of time like trying to befriend her and it's a little bit more yeah in depth than in the original carrie film you know like sue snell like she actually like does have like good intentions when she like tries to like befriend carrie and like get her boyfriend Mm -hmm. take her to the prom but these girls like they do this elaborate thing where they're like Oh yeah, you're in the gang, girl. Like they come put, to our come to our party. Put, oh my god. They it, it they do um you're right. The bullies in this movie are much meaner and that makes it like oh just that much more effective, I feel. Um because 
Um, well, I would just say that, like, you know, just back to the point that, you know, it's not a, a good, like, kind of carry or something, you know, it's not like the original or whatever, like that being a criticism against it. I don't know, man, because, like, when and I haven't seen Carrie in a good long while, the original, the De Palma one. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my mind, you know, to my memory, it's a slow burn. It's really, you know, it's, it's you know, it's a slow burn. It takes its time to get to the finale and then um you know the the ending the awesome awesome ending where the blood drops and then she closes the doors and then it's you know sets the whole thing on fire um to my memory the original doesn't have like as strong as like kind of character connections in this or as like kind of like you said believable and i don't know if it's just like a generational thing like that movie was made 40 50 years ago almost at this point um but i definitely like no girls like um i definitely well no boys like the the dumb uh high school boys like the jocks um those are much more recognizable um what who's the main mean girl um and her friend that looks like dr melfi um, oh my god she like does more... i doesn't she i remember though? like thinking through the whole thing i'm like who's their like 35 year old friend <laughs> <laughs> she looks like a librarian but she also does look like dr but she's Melfi. like friends with like the the yeah she's like friends with the popular mean girl i don't know but like, like i recognize always that. in like a like, blue yeah. cardigan and like just looks like a yeah, fucking mom yeah. <laughs> works it like them but it's like i i'm totally with you like i think that you know um the it, when the ending comes you know like when because you know, spoilers for a movie called the rage carry 2 <laughs> there's a scene where um the main character freaks the fuck out and kills a lot of her classmates <laughs> and the movie is like itself is putting in clips from carrie to get you to that point but like that sequence at the end um like notice respect to the de palma original and the de palma original like getting to when they dump the blood on her is a is a really good sequence of filmmaking but man just like the dis like how um cat shea is bringing together all the different like kind of elements in the scene like the the book and the um and the video and just like everyone being nice to this girl i felt it a little stronger in this than i do for the original carrie yeah um, i think it's just the point that i'm trying to get back to so it's like it's it's kind of a movie that I watch and I'm like I guess I can understand criticisms on it but I just dismissing it completely is kind of lazy to me honestly yeah. like if you just don't want to engage with this movie because it's called the rage carry 2 that's on you dude like you're really missing out yeah I feel I, I agree entirely because well I mean I think like in one hand you know like it shows just like these really kind of like wicked cruel people like um I guess getting into a little bit of like plot elements, they get like pretty, yeah, pretty yeah, sure, heavy. Sure, sure. Yeah. Where it's like the film opens, where um, Rachel, our Carrie figure, and her best friend are you know like on the bus, and they're sort of like the kind of like goth girls, outcasts. It's always like the way the like movies are, where it's like they're both like very like pretty girls, but like you know because they're different because like I imagine they're not rich because they like dress alternatively, like they are like social pariahs and yeah her best friend it's kind of slowly like a little bit like teased out as far as like what exactly happens but she says like you know beginning like i had sex for the first time like i'll tell you who it's with later like you're not gonna believe it Mm -hmm. and then before Mm -hmm. they're ever really to like able able to have like an in-depth like conversation we see something happens we see um 
we see the jock guy you know that we assume so it's like the the mm. audience's information but carrie carrie yeah, character right. doesn't where it's like oh damn like she had sex with one of the football player guys and he's talking shit about her and just that she's like a lay and then the next thing that we see from her is her like jumping off the top of the school and killing herself mm -hmm. and so then that sort of is the catalyst for um sue snell who is the school guidance counselor which is just like i don't it's wacky but it like it works where she's like basically like talking to um rachel and just kind of teasing yeah. out like how there's this group of um the football players you know that like have this game where basically they just like manipulate girls yeah. to like have sex with them and it's sort of it's something that like you know it's something that like actually happens and like high schools mm -hmm. and like colleges where it's just kind of this like frat boy sort of game you know where it's like they are going to psychologically yeah. manipulate the, yeah. people the game part of it yeah the game part of it is what's because they're they're sleeping they're manipulating these 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 young girls into sleeping with them so that they can get points yeah so that they can get points uh and scored on it uh and it's pretty fucking gross and uh oh, not to not to forget her friend is played by Mana suvari um who uh is a was like something like i think she was like close to an it girl or something like that i just know her from being um the object of affection in american beauty uh which is maybe one of the worst aged movies of all time <laughs> um <laughs> but did you say that uh but so yeah so and then uh her friend uh kills herself um by jumping off the roof and landing on a car and um this I guess maybe now would be the good time to get into how I think that it's re how it's really cool how they use um Rachel's powers in this how they show it um uh like it's it's like connected to her grief it's connected to her trauma um it's something that can like uh it shatters glass and like kind of slams doors um it's like this this great supernatural force that I think is really really fucking cool and also spark she can make sparks literally fly <laughs> When she's with, uh, what's the actress name? Jason London, Jesse. Yeah, the, um... I always forget. I always forget like his his character's name, but he's also like in one turn. I think like this is like a good sort of balanced movie because where it's like I wouldn't like call it like a man hating film because I think he's a really great, no, right, right, like sweet kind of like male lead. You know, I think like mm -hmm. the original, the original like Carrie film, we don't really get to like get to know like Stu Snell's boyfriend. He's kind of just like this nice sort of like blonde himbo guy where it's like they finally yeah. start to like have some fun at the prom and then he fucking dies. And so yeah, yeah. why the original Carrie is like devastating, you know, because we get to like see like sir her just sort of like her height of like finally like being like accepted like into high school society and have a good time and let her hair down and then like instantly after mm -hmm. it's like just kidding bitch and then that's the the final straw but we really see this like lovely like romance of these two characters and it's like very like cheesy sort of dialogue where they're like you listen to garbage like Shirley Manson rules but that's still just like whatever like I don't know like I think very sweet and charming and like the scene where it's like um they're making out in the car and she's like this is nice but like i haven't had sex yet before and i want it to be special yeah. and then like he remembers like the specific things that she was talking about where she's like oh like daisies are like my favorite flowers and he like yeah, picks yeah. her up and they like hook up for the first time and it's like just this really like nice like lovely scene where it's not like a really like 
explicit or like graphic sex scene it's all very like pg-13 but it's not about like you know they're high schoolers they're obviously like adult actors but it's not about like course, the kind yeah. of carnal aspect things you don't watch carrie too to yeah. see like full frontal you know it really is like a good yeah, like yeah. romantic scene so when the film ends with um the jock kids because i guess i should make it clear the romantic lead like is like a jock guy he is like yeah, a yeah, like yeah, 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 kind yeah. of over it friend of the dudes that are having this sex game and so he is kind of like observing it and you see him like walk into the locker room and like the ringleaders like Mm -hmm. they're all like shaving their heads and screaming before the game and it's just like this crazy display (laughs) of just like locker room bullshit It is. It is. You're right. Uh, I was just laughing because when I was like copying pasting the the trivia for IMDb for the fast facts part of this portion, there was something that I thought was really funny in the spoiler section. So I guess spoilers or whatever. Uh, uh, quote, before the big game, the football team all shave their heads in an act of machismo. Jesse refuses to take part of it, symbolizing the divide between him and his teammates. <laughs> Someone just wrote that on IMDb. Someone just put their like, just like a their read on this movie that's not from, really like, a their, fact their, so that's just kind of that's not a no that's not a fact it's just a this is what happens it's someone's essay yeah that's your, your congratulations you read you can read the movie correctly <laughs> I, I love when people do that i hope it was just like some 12 year old or something oh for sure for <laughs> sure for sure uh yeah i um I, I think that you're right that this is a balanced that this is a balanced movie, which is why I really, really, really appreciate it too. You know, like it's it the subject matter and what it's depicting is it's honest about it. And the thing that it, it's it's honest and it's showing that it's a, a har- uh, harrowing, horrifying, like destructive, awful thing. Just, you know, this the sex game, you know, that that they're doing. Uh the this kind of culture that these that these guys are participating in. Um but you're right that it like does manage to find space for there to be like to show like growth or someone trying to move out of that. And it's notable that the movie ends the way it does compared to how the original does, I guess. Um, do you, I do want to talk about actually just because it is technically a Carrie sequel, this movie, how do you feel about how this movie integrates the earlier film into this one? You know, it is like a sort of stylistic choice that, feels like kind of like the studio like put in like it feels like one of those choices yeah that like they yeah. got like one cut of it and then like some dumb dumb that like doesn't actually like movies is just like how are they gonna know it's Carrie? but yeah. then like i i did i did read a little bit about like this movie and i guess like the director like mm-hmm. she did like put those clips in and get like permission like from like sissy spacex yeah. so it's sort of something where it feels like really manufactured whether that's her like artistic intent or not yeah. it's one of like the more like kind of like unnecessary like facets of the film i mean granted like it was like made like before like streaming was super easy so quite possibly oh, right, a lot right. of people watching the movie could have like not seen the original carrie either ever or like not in a while so it's like right, now I feel right. like if a sequel or a remake or something comes out, people are always like, bam, bam, time to like, just like throw that on Netflix. So that's true. Like, but yeah. it's, 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 a, it's a, it's a decision that like, it's one of the ones that I don't really like have like a strong defense for. I'm not crazy about it because it just seems like 
kind of redundant and like yeah yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd agree. I think that, you know, again, and I'm to be trivia, so who knows if this is actually true or not, but it's in the fast facts, so we're getting on the fucking record. Um, they did, the writers of this movie realized that what they were writing was very similar to Carrie, as far as I understand it, and so they kind of tried to reverse engineer a sequel, or like, put it in there, basically. And that's just kind of, to me, more of like, it feels more of just like from a working in Hollywood perspective, like, we can sell this script much easier if we just lean into the, in 1999 or, you know, whenever they were producing this, it would probably make more sense. And we could actually get this thing fucking made if we tied it into Carrie somehow. And the first time I watched it, I was completely checked out of any time that the earlier movie came out. I was like, they're, you're doing so good, sweetie. Why are you trying to get me to remember this earlier movie? Why are you just, why can't, why is it enough, not enough just to have Amy Irving in a film? Why do we have to connect this back? But on second watch, I was I did kind of appreciate that, and I think that they kind of did their best with uh, they dance they, they did their best with 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 um, with that decision. I think that like I still think it's kind of clunky that Rachel and Carrie have the same dad, and the dad is at least at least to my memory like not really a character in the earlier film at all, and he's certainly not a character in this one. So they're like it's like this big twist that they're like, like Carrie and, and Rachel are half sisters, I guess it's like a spoilers or whatever, but it's also like, spoiler alert. he doesn't show, spoiler alert, he doesn't show up in the movie. Like he doesn't die or anything. And to date, there's not been a Carrie three where they finally take care of Rob white or whatever. Um, and so that part feels like the clunkiest to me, but on rewatch here, like, you know, when I was watching it again, it was, it, it, it didn't bother me. And I was like, you know, if you have to fit Carrie into this somehow, there's stupider ways to do it. You know, it did show, I think a little bit of, of creativity. Like I could recognize on the filmmaker's hands that, um, you know, maybe it was the studio thing. Like you said, I, or maybe it was just like them wanting to pay homage or like trying to have a little bit of fun with it. You know, there's, it's, it's not, it's still probably my least favorite parts of the film is just whenever um, they try to connect it back. Um, but some of my favorite parts, though, I love the funky, like, kind of black and white, like, video effects that they do yeah. in this movie. I think very that's super 90s, cool. Very like, cool. That's one of the parts where it's like, yeah, okay, this is, like, super dated, but I also see it as, like, you know, the the character Rachel, she has, like, a pretty defined aesthetic, you know? She's obviously... Yeah. Like, I don't know if she would, like, self-ID as, like, goth or whatever, but it's, like, so to see, like, her, um, self-ID as goth, but, um, to, like, see, like, her powers kind of, um, like, manifest themselves, like, in these, like, with these effects that look, like, kind of very, like, 90s industrial, like, 90s gothic, it really yeah, does yeah. feel like it's coming from, like, Rachel's world and perspective, which makes sense to me because, like, her, like, supernatural, like, abilities, they are, like, from within her feelings and like her yeah you know? so it's yeah it really yeah. just the movie like just really like works for me and it works more than um i don't know if you saw the the new craft movie that came out like last lean where they were really trying uh, to do something and there were like a couple like really killer scenes mm-hmm uh, I've not seen the craft remake, but I appreciate you asking and, and <laughs> considering that I might have you know, actually. A lot of people um, saw it. I don't know. It's a lot of people. It's, yeah. it's like a, a lot of people. It's saw like it. a Bloom House thing. I don't know. Like, um, fair, fair. It, fair. Um, 
it was kind of trying to do the sort of um carry to kind of teenage feminist horror taking revenge on like toxic male figures but i just feel mm-hmm. like a lot of the the attempts they don't work because like they aren't like balanced like the way that um yeah carrie too is where it's like carrie too like managed to like have this kind of even though you know it is like a horror film and i also do feel like she is actually more of a, a good for her figure than like any of like what we call like i think that's may gonna get canceled in the horror community i think the good for her thing's lame i don't like it <laughs> like the whole like being like good for her jennifer like that body. midsummer the midsummer kind yeah, of yeah yeah where it's just like yeah. i feel like it completely like negates like what makes like a lot of these films horror where it's like it's horrifying yeah. that like carrie who had this like beautiful like kind yeah. spirit like because of like what she went through you know like snaps it's sad that like you know jennifer is basically like raped by those guys in that band it becomes yeah. a monster like all of these transformations are like ultimately like at least to me like have like a tragic like a twist to them like it's not just yeah. like this kind of base sort of like I don't know. It feels like a very like slasher read to like when like these characters like go on rampages and kind of gets to the point where they're like murdering without any sort of like sense, you know? It's like a very like kind of slasher, like it's, well, they deserved yeah. it. And it's like, no, it's like sad that yeah. like these women are like killing without like like the end of like Miss 45. Like I'm 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 spoiling a lot of movies, but like basically like a lot of like female figures. Like- but the reason why I th- you and I are are together in this opinion, but the reason why like Miss 45 hits in a film like Cough Cough Promising Young Woman Cough Cough doesn't is because like I don't know. The thing that annoyed me with Promising Young Woman is it didn't like like Miss 45 is a great terrifying fucking movie. Um, that brings it all the way to the finish line, I think. Um, and the kind of the good for her cinema, like you're saying, it's a very, in my opinion, I think nothing against getting that feeling from the movie the first time you watch it, but you kind of got to go slightly deeper. <laughs> Sometimes you really got to like go back to the movie and see what's going on. Like, Fuck, one of my favorite things to rewatch around Halloween time is Gone Girl, because I think Gone Girl is something that rewards multiple viewings. You know, it's very much like a, it's, it's like, I put this in my notes, and I it was trying not to be super snide, but I was like, is Carrie like a pre, like a, <laughs> let me see what I wrote down exactly. Oh, no. Uh, did I put down, because um, I, I thought about this when I was watching it. Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, this is actually like back to the point about the carry, like the carriness, the original carriness, the De Palma carriness. Maybe the tie-in works because you're ra- waiting for Rachel to go carry, carry colon an early Joker variant? Question mark? Question mark? I think, like honestly, I mean, I'm sure you've seen that like joke, kind of like there's a joke like letterbox list that goes around that people screenshot where it's like the female the female Joker, Joker, movies. Joker yeah. movies, and it's like it's like a yeah. joke, but it's like also something where it's like. I don't know, like, what, like, makes, like, a lot of the films that people are sincerely, like, you know, like, not just, like, rape revenge films, but kind of just films where it's, like, 
women have just like had it what like makes them interesting is because it's not like a black and white like morality thing and it goes like i i really do sound like joker fight i guess when i say this where it's like those films are interesting because it shows that like society made those women you know exactly exactly it's the world around them made them this way exactly it's not just like oh like Carrie is inherently evil or like any of these figures are like inherently evil like they're all like just like imperfect and like um like somewhat like you know like sympathetic like products of just like a patriarchal environment and that's why it's like watching these films is like sad and exciting and liberating and scary like all at the same time and to be like really cut and dry with a lot of the films and just be all like all those kids at prom deserve to die. Good for Carrie. Just yeah. feels like really yeah. just like, I don't know, just it feels like stupid to me and just feels like like kind of like the worst of like the horror community where it's like people like apply like the actual like conservative values of slasher films where it's like, ha ha ha, waiting for the next kill. These people deserve to die because they had sex. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. you have to like exactly. have like a better, like more critical like relationship with what you're watching. <laughs> I Instead of just enforcing agree. it. But yeah, no. Yeah, I agree. I uh, agree completely. And that is why I like the Rage Carry 2 a lot is because it is a, it's a it does... I, I, I think that it is um, a well-directed movie, which I, uh, which, and when I say that, what I mean is, like, I think that you could return to this movie time and time again and just pick up on, on small little things. And I think that that's just because Kat Shay, do you, are you familiar with any of her, her other work aside from I've this I've seen, film? Um, um, shout out to um, Movie Pass on Twitch. I saw um, Poison Ivy um, last summer. Ooh. The, um, I, Fuck, I forget like the whole cast of that one, but that's like one of those like weird kind of like '90s relic, like crazy teen girls trying to like fuck my dad, and I have to. It's it's a weird one. I don't know if I. Wow. I don't know if okay. I would, like recommend like I've, I've, there's been like multiple movies like those type of thrillers in the '90s where it's like I meet like this cool new friend at school, but she's trying to like ruin my life and like seduce my dad and become more popular at school so it's like it's it's weird and like it hasn't like aged super well it's like a fine enough like movie to watch but i feel like you can't like draw as many interesting things from it as you can with like carrie too sure and then i feel like i watched part of like she did like this like vampire movie that i think i watched some of on Mm. tubi but i don't really she really like it is one of those just like female directors of the 90s that just like deserves more and deserves better and i think was probably thrown in director jail for carrie too which is just like sad yeah the fact like the fact that she didn't get um uh sorry uh the fact yeah the fact that she it it, it is disappointing because i think that she there's there's talent here she um you know packages this movie uh really incredibly well um okay do you have anything else you want to discuss before we get into uh fast facts here um i must think i guess just my my really like big thing is like for the ending and uh how it ends instead of with a like kind of female friend figure (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
the way that it ends with this um this boyfriend type figure and at the mm-hmm. end of the rampage where like you don't really get to figure it out entirely in like the original Carrie film like it's not made as clear that like Carrie and like Sue Snell like kind of like have this understanding it's more just something that like haunts her spirit but like in Carrie 2 like they're able to like actually like have this moment of clarity and she's able to be like oh like you weren't like in on it you know like the time that we like had together like you were sincere and like I feel like the little like jump scare at the end isn't even really like a it's described as like a nightmare like a jump scare but I think it's more just like a a a creepy sexy memory (laughs) I don't know uh (laughs) I don't know man uh, poor Snoo, poor Snoo Snell, Sue Snell. She did. She got done so dirty in this movie, but we do love to see Amy Irving. Shouts out Amy Irving. Uh, all right then. Let's get into some the Rage Carry Two Fast Facts, a compilation, a collage of IMDb trivia. Um, the Rage Carry Two was directed by Cat Shea, written by Raphael Moreau. As uh, we were saying, uh, I'm just checking Raphael Moreau's other writing credits. Uh, he also wrote Hackers, actually. Yes, King. Written by his two, his two films, credited on IMDb, Hackers and The Rage Carry 2. Oh, my God. King uh, of the so 90s. So, shouts out to him. Yeah. 90s King. <laughs> uh, the film began I, as an original story. I love Hackers. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should do Hackers on the show, Matthew honestly. Matthew Lillard. Uh, the film... The film began as an original story before producers realized how similar it was to Carrie, and so they made it a sequel, loosely based on a real-life 1993 incident in which a group of high school jocks, the Spur Posse, were involved in a sex scandal. Wouldn't be the only time that happened. Uh, Originally entitled The Curse and later Say You're Sorry before the title The Rage was chosen. Uh, Curiously, the Brazilian-Portuguese title for this film is, I'm not going to try to say it, I've never taken a Portuguese class in my life, Translates to The Curse of Carrie. A few weeks into production, director Robert Mandel quit over creative differences and Cat Shea hurriedly took over the reins with less than a week to prepare to start filming and after two weeks of footage to reshoot. Shouts out to Cat Shea for really coming in clutch Damn. then. Uh, even more so. And it is a big sock that she uh, was maybe put in jail for this. You don't know. Well, it wasn't her fault Columbine happened. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Rage was also the title of the first novel that Stephen King published as Richard Bachman. The novel climaxed with the school shooting, and after a string of real-life school shootings, King decided to not allow the book to be published anymore. No. Uh, interesting enough, you know, it's very hard to find that book. Uh, interesting enough, the sequel was released only one month before the Columbine shooting. The film narrowly escaped being shelved and locked away in a vault as it was theatrically released only three weeks before the tragic Columbine High School shooting. MGM Studio had said that if this film had been finished any later, it would have been shelved and not released out of respect for the victims of Columbine and their families, as this film is also about a high school outcast getting revenge on their bullies, and it would have been in poor taste to release this film after the shooting. Uh... How do we feel about the Columbine shooting, Marin? Really putting me on the spot here. I will say, though, <laughs> um, the Columbine shooters did not have magical powers. So. Yeah, they weren't. I, uh, they, yeah, they weren't. Uh, yeah, they, it was. Uh, I think well, people are smart enough. You know, you would think people are smart enough to be able to differentiate 
this obvious like fantasy film from reality but you know how you know how you know how yeah it just i'm just thinking about maybe the funniest thing the funniest as as a broad term here but the the most confusing version of that that i have a conscious memory of is when they changed the title of that it's it's vince vaughn it's him and three other guys. There's like aliens in the neighborhood and it was called Neighborhood Watch, but they changed it after the after the George Zimmerman killing, uh, the Trayvon Martin killing, um, and just to The Watch instead of just like, I guess, taking the movie out of theaters at all and just not releasing it. They're like, if we call it Neighborhood Watch, people aren't going to see it. Let's just call it The Watch, but change absolutely nothing else about this movie. And it came and went. So maybe it would have been fine. Who knows? Uh, Sissy Spacek was offered a cameo in the sequel to Carrie, this film we're talking about today, which she turned down. However, she did give Cat Shea permission to use some of her scenes from Carrie for flashbacks. Aside from archive footage from the first film, Amy Irving is the only actress and character to return for the sequel. Amy Irving was initially wary of reprising her role. And ask Brian De Palma for his blessing. Um, before I get too far, we didn't mention J. Smith Cameron, who plays um, Rachel's mom. Uh, one of my favorite actors. Love to see her in this movie. Uh, just, just a tremendous a professional, giving her best every time you see her on screen. Uh, a couple last fast facts here. When Mark's party first kick, starts kicking off, Chuck begins roaming around with his camera on the partygoers. So this is spoiler section, folks, so jump ahead Ooh. if you're averse to that. Ooh. When he sees a guy throwing some liquid substance into the expensive pool, he puts his camera down long enough to warm him that if he breaks anything in the house, heads are going to roll. This turns out to be a terrible prediction of what happens when Rachel's powers go crazy. Almost everything is broken in the house, and Chuck is decapitated by shattering glass. Great. That's another thing that I want to say. I think that the the mansion that the climax takes place in and how they use that mansion to, uh, you know, kill teenagers. Uh, cool scene. The, cool scene. One of, <laughs> Fucking awesome. Like, such, like, a primal fear. Like, I know they've, like, done, like, a couple, like, movies. Like, you know, like, ones that come out where it's, like, what if you got stuck under the pool cover? And it's, like, I don't think there's mm-hmm. enough there to, like, make, like, a feature-length film. But should definitely be something that's just, like thrown in horror movies more like especially because yeah. everybody's like rich yeah. in horror movies and has like a big ass house it's like more yeah. more scary pool covers more scary pool cover scenes no definitely we never had a pool growing up but i had family that did and i was always scared of the pool covers and especially when i was uh and like maybe 15 or 16 and watched the movie unbreakable for the first time and bruce willis falls into the pool cover and he's like, water's his only weakness, and he falls into this pool cover there, and I'm like, yeah, that's um, that's cool of that movie that that's in that movie. That is definitely very scary. Uh, just a couple more fast facts. I just thought it was very funny that um, not only this information was included in the IMDb trivia, but that each of these facts got their own line, and zero out of four people. <laughs> Nobody found either of these facts interesting. Zero Aww. to four. A complete, complete thumbs down on just these getting included in IMDb Aww. trivia. But here we go. So here's some information about the cars that the teens drive in this movie. Oh my god. Monica. Monica, the Dr. Melfi friend, drives a 1995 Volkswagen uh, Cabrio 3 Type 1H. So shout out to Monica. Mark... <laughs> Drives a 1996 Ford Mustang V6. I think Mark is like the main the lead jock. jock yeah, guy. I, that yeah, that, with like that awful goatee. Oh God, yeah. 
Uh, Sue, Sue Snell, drives a 1985 Oldsmobile Cutlass Cruiser. Jesse's car is a 1996 Jeep Grand Cherokee Laredo ZJ variant there, I think. Uh, I just thought it was funny that someone noted all the cars on their own trivia line. Definitely the same person, too, being like, well, you know, I am (laughs) just just imagining this person going through and being like, well, I think people will find this car interesting. And then no one finds it does. Like, well, maybe they'll find this one. And then it's like, all right, fool me four times. Do you think this is interesting? Do you think it's interesting that Jesse is driving a Jeep Grand Cherokee, a 1996 Jeep Grand Cherokee? Oh, my God. See, that's who you need to bring on the pod because you know he has to have done it for other films on IMDb. You can say, like, welcome to it's on the list. It's the car IMDb guy. Car MDB. Yeah, I do want a car MDB, uh, you know, just just a, a, a database like a box office mojo, but for for Carfax there. Uh, my Mercedes Valuable Player actually is going to go to and I think that my Mercedes Valuable Player is going to go to the um, opening uh, kind of the cold open. Basically, I think that uh, like the when J Smith camera is getting hauled away and then you see young Rachel using her powers for the first time, specifically that like tracking shot through the house. Um, because that was when that scene happened both times I was like, I'm locked into whatever this movie is. I am picking up whatever they're putting down right here. Um, and I think that maybe, you know, if you're curious to see this movie, I think how you react to that scene in particular is probably going to gauge how you're going to react to the rest of the movie, maybe. Um, but I think that's just an incredible bit of filmmaking. And particularly when she gets to the room, slams that last door, and then the windows are just slamming up and down. So terrifying. I was watching it on my TV. I wish I would be able to see it in theaters just to like have that thing just completely fucking surrounding me. Um, but very, very, very cool sequence. Marin, what's your Mercedes Valuable Player for? the rage carry too God, that's hard because i'm just such like an all-around like fan of this movie like i thought like the acting was great i even love like you know the haters i love the production design but i feel like it's got to be like cat shay it's got to be the director especially like learning that she like came in like so late in the game like this could have been like a disaster you know it could have just been mm-hmm. like purely just like 90s corny it could have just like had really really underdeveloped characters but if like you like sit with it and like i don't know i feel like if you're like big sincere i guess of like how you engage this movie it's like a good yeah 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 teen movie if you aren't like crowded like your judgment isn't clouded by just like oh it has a dumb name oh it looks like super 90s it's like yeah who yeah cares? yeah who cares you have to yeah you have to like it's the rage carry 2 is kind of a clunky title for it um that i i want to say uh you know that could have been helped they could have called it something i just refer to else. it i always but call the, it just carry 2 that's probably fair you know that's probably what you got to do just carry 2 and you wouldn't be wrong you wouldn't be wrong um but you know i was going to say that just you know if you're hung up on the 90s-ness of it, if you're hung up with just, like, the fact that this movie was made in 1999 and you're not engaging with what it is saying as a movie from 1999, if you're not ready to do that, I don't think that you should watch it. But I'm still gonna give this a full motherfucking recommend also. Like, this movie is fucking awesome. I do... I think that, you know... 
Um, I think you should like invite your friends over or have like a, a watch party or something. Put on Jenny Haval ahead of time as people are coming in, and then put on the Rage Carry too. Um, you'll have a good fucking night. It's a good movie. Marin, I, I think that it's going to speak, you know, the recommendation is going to speak for itself, but we have to be official here. Yeah. Do you recommend the Rage Carry too? Hell yeah. I totally do. Oh, yeah. I also totally recommend, you know, like invite some friends over, watch it together, but also just like, I don't know, talk about it in person, talk about it like online. Like I feel like yeah. um, Jennifer's body kind of the like sort of like reevaluation of it like happened, like not just because like of like, critics like reevaluating it but people just like no exactly yeah like online and in person and making memes make tumblr gifts yeah yeah exactly like just sharing stills because there's plenty of like a lot of like the shit that like rachel is wearing like in this movie is like totally back in style now the whole like kind of like it's a pop mall goth aesthetic like total mood there's like i in some of my notes there's like the thing where they're going through her friend lisa's locker and she has the um album art for holes lived through this and like a bunch of other like cool 90s shit so it's just like if you are like a like tumblr girl i guess like there's just so many just like cool little nuggets or it's just like let's just make this like a part of the conversation because of Aside from being like totally 90s, I just think a lot of people would get something out of it. So, yes, yeah, big recommend. This is, uh, this is the official podcast of Tumblr Girls. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marin, I think that that finishes the show then. And as always, thank you so much for being on and for bringing on interesting stuff to cover. It is kind of disappointing that we couldn't spend. Uh, an hour and 45 minutes just yelling at Noah but I think that since he delivered on a really incredible and beautiful and I think uh, true work of art with his parody song this week that he can get a pass Um, in any event though Marin anything you want to plug off real quick um, at the end of the show here this is everyone's favorite part of the show Um, of course I don't really have anything immediately you know i'm always plugging olympia film society either like local friends or really like whoever they still have their um remote like down not download you can't just like download movies from olympia film society the virtual, the virtual screen yeah. music box the music yeah, yeah, yeah. music box did that facets here did that the cisco film yeah it's a it's a very it's a great way for um theaters that, i hope that they keep doing that after a pandemic honestly me too. um because because it's in a nice like kind of middle period where the music box is having in-person screenings again um uh you know still like with some distancing and stuff enforced and still with its own rules there but they're letting more people in and they're also still doing virtual screenings of just stuff i guess like they just you know they they don't have that's that they want to put their name on but just like can't program and i hope that it just continues all to say so olympia film society your local independent movie theaters um Notice, you know, notice respect to your regals, your, you know, AMCs, your whatever. Um, it is cool, though. I will say, I don't know if Olympia Film Society is going to do something like this, but the music box is going to show in the heights. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't have like the 411 for like exactly like when they're going to open gotcha. up for just like new programming and new movies but i yeah. know um but keep an eye out i know the one yeah. in tacoma um the grand their kind of art has movie theater i think they're they're showing 
they were showing like the Viking, like the conjuring, I think they're just like, you know, just like, mm. I, I say like, you know, more power to them. Like if you like want to like make some money you gotta get people in the right door. now, you know, yeah, you gotta get people through they're the showing door. the quiet place. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, every like independent, like, or nonprofit cinema is like a treasure to me. And in these times, like whatever yeah. they need to do to make some money, if they want to show like fighting like Marvel movies, I will not even like be shady like whatever it takes no no whatever, <laughs> whatever it, takes it takes to get asses in the seats and the and the doors keep opening uh so olympia film society will link to marin's uh twitter and uh likely revenge angel still yeah. I like to plug that and the notes anytime that you're on the show because uh, I think it's very, very good, folks. Okay. Uh, for me, you can find me in the usual places on the link tree on uh, Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, I don't want any people to find me on Facebook. On Instagram, on Letterboxd, on the Barna podcast about the Shield, out and about on the streets of Chicago, and I will uh, likely at the Music Box. And then when Facets opens up at Facets, and when the Siskel Center opens up at the Siskel Center, or you know what, I'm close to the Logan Theater. I'll go see the first run set the Logan. Whatever, folks. If you don't see me there, I hope it is because you are. Seeing Seeing movies where you like to see movies so we will close out by saying as we do always black lives matter black trans lives matter fuck the cops fuck the president fuck everyone in power uh that is trying to keep you down and trying to keep you away from the rage carry too uh but don't forget to tell someone you love them this week be it a friend be it a family member be it just someone that you can tell needs it do that and we will see you all next time bye <laughs>